so the red pill is something that a lot of people may have heard of. It's a it's an idea and an analysis of the current dating market and sexual dynamics between men and women in the modern day, which seeks to criticize uh, what's what people thought had become kind of orthodoxy, which is that uh, feminism is good, that um, women should ha- abandon their traditional roles in society, and that um, you know men and women kind of see dating in, in an equivalent fashion. Right. Um, so the Red Pill movement came along and said, well, hold on a second. Actually, this is all false. Um, the marketplace of dating, as it currently stands, only benefits women, according to the Red Pill narrative, um, insofar as a small pool of men get to have lots of dates with lots of women, right? Whereas a vast majority of men uh, don't get to do so because the women aren't looking interested in them. Mm. It's, it's, it's in a way, it's kind of critiquing society, which has come about as a result of technologies as well. For example, Tinder and other dating apps where a large number of women can have a very large access to a very large number of men, Hmm. right? Um, And in contrast to that, the feminist movement says, well, actually, the dating market doesn't actually benefit women because men are only seeking women of uh, kind of who are promiscuous Hmm. and women who um, are just willing to be kind of uh, there and sexually available for men. Mm. Um, and as a result, the only men they can find are what they call trash, trashy yeah. men, right? Yeah, I mean, there are different strands in feminism. Some of them are, no, this is great. You should do whatever you want. You know, don't uh, don't put any, any brakes on your desires. So they're saying women should just be uh, as liberated as, as they want. And then there are others who are saying we can't find any good quality men. Yeah. And often actually it's the same people saying both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and not quite noticing potentially the causality there. Uh, but it's become it's become a really big thing, and I and I think it's because of the frustration that has developed over the last decade or so, where the existing gender dynamics weren't necessarily particularly positive. I think we we would say, but the technologies of dating apps have like exacerbated it massively. Yeah. So explain explain for our viewers, you know, what is it about dating apps in particular? Because people used to, you know, back in the day, hmm. you'd get married or you'd meet a partner because your parents would introduce you to somebody, and then that progressed to you'd meet put in the what you mean like pre-World War II? Yeah, pre-World War II, yeah. yeah. So then, and then middle of the 20th century, it progressed to you find a girl or you find a boy at your school or your college, yeah. you know, environments in which you're naturally mingling. Or friends and friends or, friends or, and friends, or bars yeah. and clubs, yeah. Yeah. And then, well, then it progressed onto bars and clubs, mm. but you still had to meet people in person. Yeah. Okay. And then with the advent of mobile phones and technology, now you basically have a kind of infinite pool yeah. of people presenting themselves on their profiles. Yeah. And that has how has that exacerbated the situation? Well, it's kind of stripped the whole process down to highly superficial judgments, where the women are all competing with each other for male attention. And in our modern day, with modern values, what men are looking for is essentially, or at least what they're taught to look for, what many men are looking for, are women that are sexually available to them. And the way that you can signal that is through um, undressing. <laughs> so then you create basically a marketplace which is incentivized uh, promiscuity and which is incentivized in- immodesty. So women then feel a pressure, whether consciously or subconsciously, to present themselves in that way. So yeah. women have to do that. And at the same time, men are there by attracting women who are learning how to be promiscuous and ha- learning how to be immodest. And they are choosing those for sexual partners. Yeah. And um, and the men themselves are immodest and promiscuous. Well, that's why they're doing that. That's, <laughs> that's why they're going through this whole process, right? Yeah. Uh, because they're looking to act immodestly. Yeah. 
So you have this kind of match. You have a you have a marketplace which incentivizes immodesty on both side on both sides, and it means that you have um, relationships which are sexual first and emotional second, and tend to be breakup third. Yeah. Um, and, and relationship doesn't actually even feature. Yeah. And this is, I mean, I, I think it's fairly obvious how this is, this is kind of enormously harmful. And I, I remember I realized this at university when I saw some friends after breakups and, you know, any system will have breakups, obviously, but you'd, you'd have, you'd have people basically, they almost, they were like zombies. You know, you have young people, including young women as well, who after breakups would just be, just be totally devastated. Yeah. And you'd see people with men and women that they'd have these multiple breakups in early years, you know, from 15 plus. So even by the time they're 25, they have actually gone through quite a lot of emotional trauma in yeah. a way, yeah. um, which obviously is going to torpedo future relationships as well because trust goes down. Yeah. So I remember thinking even then that this is, this is a broken system. This doesn't work because it's really hurtful for most people. Yeah. Um, but what other choice do people have? Yeah. They don't, they're not immediately presented with anything else yeah. because the narrative is, is that in order to be modern and modern equals good, you need to um, be sexual, sexually promiscuous. If you have a desire, you should act on it. Yeah. Um, so people think, well, that's the way I have to live. And this is the way that I have to be cool and, and hip. And then it's a hip because they're not in the 90s anymore. Uh, they, you know, this is how, um, this is the way I'm supposed to act. You evidently still are. <laughs> Rad. <laughs> so so they, they're acting like this because they don't think they have a choice. And it's ending up in um, modern day frustrations. And the modern day frustrations take many forms. Firstly, men are... And, and including, especially in the Red Pill movement, are bemoaning the fact that they can't find decent women. And why is that? Why is that as part of the... How does that feature into the whole... Um, uh, the dynamic of dating and matching? Well, because men are basically prioritizing... Um, they, are, they are looking for qualities which are antithetical to long-term um, productive relationship. So... If you are in a marketplace where you are looking for a woman who is kind of basically displaying herself and as sexually available and is sexually available, then necessarily by definition, you're looking for more promiscuous women. But men, when they're looking for a long-term partner are by definition, wanting someone who is going to be faithful. So, cause obviously men have the problem of what's called paternity certainty. You want to be sure that the, that the kid that you're raising is your own, yeah. that you're spending your time and your, your love and your money on yeah. is your, your own kid and not someone else's kid. Yeah. Um, so they are, so chastity is actually, and modest uh, chastity and, and loyalty and fidelity is a very important quality for a, a long-term uh, female partner. Yeah. Um, but when you're looking for women who are sexually available, then you're not, you're not looking for that by definition. So men are entering a game where they are looking, they want something which they are not actually prioritizing. Um, and then it's no surprise then that they can't find women who are long-term decent prospects, if you will. Isn't there an aspect of it as well that women are naturally seek to, um, there's also an aspect of it whereby women seek to choose men who are of a higher status than them, mm. or of an equivalent or a higher status, whether it be at a worldly level or an educational level or a material level. Mm. And so uh, as women also do better in society, mm. right? I'm not saying that this is a, a, a thing that we should try and reverse necessarily, that women, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't promote women's education, we shouldn't promote women's uh, betterment. Yeah. But as women naturally do um, advance in those particular domains, the pool of men that are available 
available to them because they're always looking for a man at equivalent or higher level in terms of his you know worldly material capability yeah um that that actually slims down and as a result you get an, and and also you get the fact that women are therefore chasing a, a small proportion of the top quality men yeah. from a worldly perspective so you have i think the statistics are that 80% of women are meeting 20% of the top 20% of men hmm. um on dating apps and like the bottom 80% of men or bottom 70% of men are not getting matches at all nobody's responding to them yeah and and then and then and then and then a portion of those are kind of uh you know called incels whether they call themselves that or, or otherwise which um means involuntary celibates well which means they've despaired of the prospect yeah which is of, actually quite being, tragic despite what some of them may say in the way that they talk about women like it's actually a very tragic phenomenon yeah i mean they're not there because they chose it <laughs> well it's, invol it's involuntary it's that's, involuntary that's, it, it's incels, invol involuntary celibate yeah um so yeah so you're saying that as women have progressed in society in material ways they're looking for an ever-shrinking pool of men um and and maybe are you implying that they therefore have somewhat unrealistic i think i think there's yeah there's there's a few things there's one that they're improving materially and so they always look for a man who's equivalent or better in terms of worldly success but also there's the fact that i think it's an intrinsic part of kind of female nature that they are looking for a, a man of uh, equivalent or better and why is that worldly success because you know a woman is at a, at a kind of uh, theoretical level a woman we're choosing always for people don't realize but we're always choosing for uh offspring hmm. and we're always choosing for how our offspring whether they will we intend to have offspring or not this is how we're hardwired yeah um whether our children will be well provided for hmm. so from a woman's perspective they're looking for a man who can provide for them when they are unable to provide for themselves when you have a young toddler or a young child it's very difficult um both in history and in modern day for a woman to be able to maintain uh, an existence hmm. right while taking care of that child the only way it's really been able to work in recent years is because government stepped in and been a kind of surrogate father to a lot of women hmm. you know child benefit etc hmm. housing benefit and so on and so forth but even that, then but that hasn't yet but even then it's extraordinarily difficult and 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 that doesn't change the evolution the, that doesn't change the hard wiring yeah right and how god has kind of designed us you yeah. know through a process of um, guided evolution so the that there's that aspect as well so basically you're saying women women are selecting for financial security women are women are always selecting i think primarily for um you know and for financial security and for long-term partnership <laughs> and and therefore they are they are looking at a, at a fairly small segment of society which especially as, as society becomes generally impoverished most men are becoming less wealthy and more poor you know if you take a given age group yeah yeah i i think that's probably true um whereas the men <clears throat> there's also an aspect of this which is um advertising and culture mm. which is that what's what people see on their phone on tiktok on instagram um are usually influencers who have these extraordinarily wealthy lives even if they don't really have wealthy lives they, they are, just rent a lamborghini for they, a day. <laughs> rent a lamborghini for a day or they present themselves and so for a woman seeing that they're always thinking to themselves or they're always giving an impression that there are men out there who are fabulously wealthy who are fabulously successful yeah and you could look at that whether it be actors or sports people you know or, or people who are businessmen who've done really well and so a woman will always kind of ha perhaps have this in the back of her. some women, I want you to say, have this in the back of their mind that, well, 
um, why can't I get a guy like that? That's the mm. kind of man I want. So it's a continuous process. Of, and the men, on the other hand, are continually seeing much more beautiful women than they're with the wives and the girlfriends they're with. Yeah, well, they're actually seeing fake women as well. They're seeing fake through women. Through pornography, etc. Yeah, well, exactly. Not not real, not real world. They're looking at fantasies. Yeah. Um, and then they're judging reality against their fantasies. So, so both men and women because of the way society is increasingly being structured technologically as well, they are they are comparing reality to fantasy yeah. and therefore eroding their real-world uh, expectations or, or shaping their real-world expectations according to what they expect from fantasy. Okay, so let's just summarize and clarify what we're saying so far. If we are to put it crudely, men have a bit of an, have an instinct to select for uh, beauty, right? And women have an instinct to select or financial security. And those aren't the only priorities, but those tend to be the ones that predominate as a generality. Right? In, in this society? In this society. Whether, whether or not that's correct, that's a different question. Yeah. But that's kind of the instinct. Yeah. Okay? Um, because those are kind of, I guess you could say, the basic needs of, a, of an asymmetrical sex drive on, the, on behalf of men and yeah. the need for financial security on behalf of women. Yeah. Okay. So then you, t you put apps into that in modern society. <laughs> so you have... Appify it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have... Um, women have their tastes somewhat distorted by the uh, displays of men that they see on social media. And they are looking for increasingly... Social media, society, TV, Yeah, they're everything. looking for, for increasingly high-status men, which increasingly increasingly don't exist, yeah. right? And uh, what that means is that those well, that, that small segment of high status men on these dating apps, and if they're able to match with them, they have sexually available to them a huge number of women. So what they're doing is they're basically going through these women sexually, yeah. having multiple relationships because they have all the offers and they don't have a religious you know, guidance that's restraining them. They've just got a bunch of super available women to them. Yeah. And All of whom are hoping that they will be the line that catches the big fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That they, that they will be able to tie this man down yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and they, he will commit to them. Yes, which, exactly. Which is, doesn't happen. Right, and so <clears throat> you have... Whatever happens for a time being... Yeah. The fish catches, slips away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and especially as men, because they, they tend to, at least in the, for, for a much longer period, they, they, as they gain more money, they become increasingly high status. Yeah. So um, all, a lot of women are chasing a small number of men who have all these women available to them, yeah. are working their way through them, essentially. Yeah. And the women, on the other hand, are finding that these men that they think they had a special relationship with actually doesn't text them back and, and they move on. And then they, they conclude from this that men are trash yeah. and what they're really doing is they're generalizing their experience with a small number of men over the entire the over the whole male population and saying this is what men are like which is a somewhat unjustified extrapolation and at the same time because they're not selecting for the qualities which would give them loyal men exactly they're selecting for the qualities which would give them men who have loads of options yeah and, at, at I, I, and i've seen this like you know they're very famous sorry continue your summary first well i was just going to say you know uh, there's it's strange because at the same time, while women are chasing a currency that's becoming increasingly scarce, which is, uh, which is actual financial security, men, and the way that we have appified everything, men are chasing um, a currency of hotness or beauty, which is actually 
more available in a way because it basically requires just further more immodesty, more filters, more surgeries, whatever. So that's actually attainable. So women are then having to compete for a small number of men who don't really want long-term relations with them by degrading themselves, essentially. And they're competing in an ever-expanding marketplace in which they are, as with time, they're having a diminution in their own beauty. Yes. As, as women get older, they get less beautiful. Right? Yeah. So the consequence of that is, is that time is against them. Other women are against them hmm. for an ever shrinking pool of men yeah. in a society which continually, you know, kind of puts the pressure on them yeah. that they should seek those men and be with those men. And then you also have this, uh, you know, uh, and so you're, you're left with a large number of men who are, Disillusioned. Um, who are just disillusioned with the whole thing. And you're left with a large number of women who are disillusioned with the men with that, that, that they're seeing. Yeah. And I think, uh, is it Pearl Gailey who she says, you know, everyone's saying men are trash, but you're all dating the same men. <laughs> which is, which there's definitely some truth in that. But there's a wider question of, well, what are the other men trying to do and how are they reacting to this? And at least one major branch of the Red Pill movement is self-improve yeah. in a way that you get into the top level bracket. Correct. That's, that's I think, the only answer that the red pill movement offers, mm. which is, you know, make yourself into a massive hunk of a man, um, start a business yeah. and become a billionaire and own loads of supercars. Yeah. And then the women will definitely like you. Yeah. Which of course they'll like you, but they won't be liking you. They're going to be liking your muscles and your car and yeah. your money. Yes. And it also doesn't address the, the wider <laughs> the, issue of what's, what's actually correct for society. Because if you get someone who's, mm. you know, on the 30th percentile, centile and you put them in the top five, right? Yeah. doesn't actually, someone else is going to replace them on the 30th percentile. Yeah, exactly. So, um, it's, it, it's not a societal solution. It it's not a societal solution. So what are we here to offer? We, you know, we've heard of the red pill. Well, I, th I so, think so we So what are we here though. to hear offer for oh, society? We're going to green pill people. Is it a great, it's a different colored pill. <laughs> we're going to green pill people. But, but I want to get to that in a moment <laughs> because there's another aspect to to this which is um which is i think really important which is that men are saying even even within the red pool movement they're saying women are becoming more modest more modest and they're becoming less chaste and therefore they're not marriage quality right yeah, they're not marriage quality. Yeah, but I find that it's a weird hypocrisy. Immense, immense. What, what's the hypocrisy then? The hypocrisy you see this on like Fit and Fresh podcast. You see it on Pearl Daly's podcast. Pearl, I don't know her sure. surname. You see a lot of Andrew Tate things as well. Yeah, it's like they'll talk about the fact that you need to get married. You need to find a virgin. You need to find a. <laughs> you need to find a pure young, you know, beauty who's Chased maiden. never been outside of her village. Okay, <laughs> what's a phone? <laughs> what's a phone? You know. Oh, are you a male? You know. <laughs> If they want that. Yeah, they'll go to, you know, various countries. But at the same time, they are perfectly happy uh, being with a very large number of women and having lots of dates with women, having one night stands, having, sleeping with a woman, discarding her afterwards, right? And leaving a large trail of sexual conquest behind them. Mm. Okay. But they don't want to marry them. Yeah. Okay. So what they're doing is they're actually promoting the problem which limits the presence and the availability of young, beautiful, virginal, pure women. What do you mean by that? Well, because they're promoting a, a marketplace in which women have to kind of uh, be willing to sleep with them on a first date or on a second date yeah. or on a third date. I mean, there's a lot of guys like in the Red Pill movement are bemoaning the fact that if, if you bought a girl three, if you bought a girl dinner for three times, right, she should have sex with you. Yeah. Okay? She should put out. Well, hold on a second. So you're actually selecting, therefore, for uh, a trait amongst women, yeah. which is of promiscuity. But on the other hand, you want to find a girl who's virginal and pure and chaste to marry. Yeah. Well, how are you going to get her? 
right? If you're promoting the exact antithesis of the qualities... Schrodinger's female. <laughs> she is both virginal... <laughs> and highly sexually available to nice sexually available to men simultaneously. Yeah. Right. So they don't exist. It's a Wonder Woman, actually, is what they're looking for. Um, and so what they're actually promoting to, the, to their audiences is find a woman who they themselves are ensuring or... Who we hope doesn't exist. <laughs> who, who, yeah, who they hope doesn't exist. So yeah. this is always... And the way they phrase it is, well, women should be pure, but men don't have to be pure because that's how, um, you know, biology is. The women women should be looking for a partner to settle down with and get married, and men should be able to sleep with whoever they want depending upon basically their fancy. Mm. But And this is where the green pill and the red pill significantly diverges because it seems to me that the red pill puts a lot of onus and um, pressure upon women to be traditional, right? They want a traditional woman, okay? Um, and they say, for example, that they are going to be a traditional man, but they define traditional men as men who will protect and provide, they say. Protect and provide, protect and provide. You'll hear this all the time on their podcast, yeah. right? But actually, that's not all there is to being a traditional man. Well, yeah. Or being a religious man, which is actually the key apex here. We shouldn't just look for traditionality. We should actually be looking for what is it that God teaches and what is it that God has actually stipulated as to what is the best way by which men and women can live in harmony with one another. And it certainly isn't that men can basically sleep with whoever they want and have open open season on whichever women they want yeah, to sleep and, with. Yeah, and I find it, like, it's just it's actually really distasteful because you see a lot of the kind of gurus and they're saying if a woman doesn't sleep with you after you know, this like you said, then forget them. And 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 yeah, they 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 want they want that in a partner, in a long term partner. But there's also another aspect to this, which I think uh, is worth dwelling on briefly, which is that women are complaining about the quality of men that they have, and uh, yes, they are they are they are only looking at that subset. But I think it's worth mentioning that the vast that the majority of men are also the rest of them are trying to get into that subset, but also they have changed in a way in their own modesty in in secret not in public Correct. which is through pornography yeah which has become widespread obviously yeah you know throughout throughout male society i always find it particular. funny when you see these surveys they're like we surveyed men and asked how many of them watch pornography and 70 percent of men watch pornography and i'm like i went to an all boys school okay <laughs> this is a trash statistic i can tell you it's over 95 percent of men right the, yeah. o- the only ones who don't are fundamentally are, the, are, are religious right they are the only men who at a fundamental level do not watch pornography I mean, there may be some who have gone through it and have realized the harms of it and have, because there is a movement kind yeah, of of to do that is, as well. There so there, 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 there yeah, will be, true. there will be that's people. And, and maybe the, maybe the, maybe it's going the other way now, but probably not. Um, you know, so, so women are also correct in their, in assessment, their assessment of yeah. men. But, but does that, I mean, I mean, I think it's a bit of a stretch to say because a man watches pornography, he's automatically trash, right? I think that because it's become a new baseline. Mm. Right. So a lot of men have this secret failing, right? You could say, yeah. um, but it doesn't necessarily make them automatic trash. I think that that's an unreasonable assessment to put on men. No, I think uh, that's I, true. I think a lot yeah. of women will be aghast because I don't think women realize the extent to which this is a problem for men. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I was reading, um, Louise, uh, Louise Perry's book, The Case Against Sexual Revolution. She was saying like, like most things, it follows the Pareto distribution, um, where there's a small minority of men who are watching much more than everyone else and kind yeah. of, and the, but there is, but the, but the baseline still exists and the baseline is Correct. relatively high. The baseline high. is relatively high. So I think that the, I think that there's, the current modern dating actually fails men and women 
because mm. it fails modern society as a whole. Modern society as a whole, because the things that men and women are actually looking for, modern dating uh, prioritizes uh, doesn't prioritize either of them. Right? Yeah, um, men at a kind of serious level are ultimately looking for a woman who is beautiful, yes, but at a deeper level, men are actually looking for a life, a lifelong companion, okay? And a good mother. And a good mother. Yeah. Right, a good mother. Um, and in that regard, they're looking for a man, who, a woman, as you said, who is going to be chaste, is going to be dedicated to them, is going to be loyal, um, is going to be a, uh, a person who has qualities. And this is one thing I like what Andrew Tate says. He says, um, what a man is looking for in a woman is peace. And that is so true. That mm. is so, so true. That what a man is looking for a woman is when he comes home from work or he's come from like a kind of a stress, you know, because life is stressful for men. It is. Mm. You know, when they come in, they don't want to have a fight. Okay. A woman who has fights with you, I mean, it just, it, 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 it destroys the relationship at a fundamental level. Mm. But uh, modern feminism has kind of selected or taught women all of the qualities which men do not want and which would disadvantage women in the sexual marketplace. No, in the marriage marketplace. In the marriage, in the marriage marketplace correct of of or that 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 you're that you're that you should be able to you should have sex with however many men you want and not only should you be able to but you should want to because you're the same as men yeah that's what feminism teaches women right yeah um that you should uh prioritize other things beyond a relationship beyond children first yeah. that you should uh put your um when you have a family put your career first don't yeah. put the family first right um, that you should not, for example, be in a relationship with a man whereby you listen to him and accept his leadership. Okay, yeah. you know, you know, feminism teaches women that you are an equal leader. You might be the leader yeah. right, of the relationship. Okay, go ahead. It'll destroy your relationship because men do not see women like that, and mm. that is not the dynamic which facilitates a long-term healthy relationship with, between men and women. So, I mean, there's a real question here of who is this benefiting? Because what you're saying here is that feminism is teaching women to become like men. Right, it's saying put your career first, concentrate on um, sexual freedom, um, and then you'll be happy. But actually, it kind of seems to ignore underlying biological differences. Yeah, the key ones. Okay, there is asymmetry in the sex drive, but also women have much more of a um, time limit on they have a fertility window. Yeah, and by the time they're looking for a a an actual partner, because then the then the biological drive kicks in more, and they want they want children. You have an increasing number of single women in their thirties who are finding it difficult to have partners, and 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 the men that are that are often you know that they are there for seeking or would be more eligible for, which is going to be slightly older men. At that point, many of them will be the ones who have been working and grinding through their 20s in order to get richer so that they can finally be in the small subset, subset of men that has sexually available women. So they're not going to be looking for these women that now want to have children and settle down. Yeah. And then the men and then and then the men are complaining after that period that they can't find a wife, a decent wife. Yeah. So it seems to be a situation which is broken, be benefiting practically no one. Yeah. Well, the per the, the people that benefits actually are. Um, yeah, actually, I can't think of a single person. <laughs> you could say you could say you could say it benefits the small subset of men, but it doesn't really because in the long term they can't find decent women and they've degraded themselves spiritually as well. Yeah. Um, so and the, spir still. the spiritual and traumatic aspect of it, I don't think we've even touched on. Yeah. You touched on a little bit, but you know the the fact of if you go through multiple well, let's relations talk about emotional and mental first. Yeah, so I mean, so, so emotional, and mental. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a trauma that's associated with a breakup because it's somebody who you in envisioned a future with 
Right? Mm. And they become a part of you in the sense that you often go through changes for their sake as well. Mm. Right. Uh, and then to have, and often these people, people are relationships for three, four, five years and then they break up. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's practically a marriage, it's practically a divorce. It's actually. practically a marriage and a divorce. And, and, and it causes an enormous toll, as you said, on, on people. And then what happens is they then take those, you know, scars and they take them into the next relationship and the next one and the next one and the next one. Mm. And it means that they've effectively lost the ability to pair bond properly. Mm. Right. Which is they've lost the ability to attach emotionally yeah. especially because the people that they're, they're trying to have part, be partnered with is have been through the same have been through the same and so you, you've got this absurd situation um and there's another absurd situation i found which i found this kind of you talk to men generally in society these days and you know they don't want to settle down before they're like 35 38 40 yeah then they'll consider marrying and having kids and i'm like like, are you guys crazy? Yeah. Well, they get a mortgage first before marriage. They get ma- they get mortgage before they're married. Yeah. It's like, hold on. Like, marriage is more of a is less of a contract than the mortgage contract. Yeah. But I mean, I guess in the modern day, when you're doing everything outside of a marriage anyway, then yeah. And actually, that's what I want to say, which is that the way the society is structured has disincentivized men to marry. Yeah. Because what is the benefit of marriage? From the modern day perspective, yeah. from a non-religious perspective, where you can have sex outside of marriage and premaritally. What on earth is... What, why would you get married? If I wasn't religious, I wouldn't get married. Why would I get married? Yeah. There's, there's no advantage to it whatsoever. I can have all the benefits of a relationship before marriage, outside of marriage, in a long-term committed relationship. I can have none of the legal obligations whatsoever. Yeah. And if the woman breaks up with me post-marriage, she can get 50% of all the stuff I have. Mm. I mean, why on earth would I go for that? Mm. And, oh, and, oh, and I've got the issues of the fact that then I won't be able to see my children at a legal level, Right you know, in certain scenarios or in certain intervals, etc. So, and I have the, the the worry that my children then will be, you know, kind of uh, displaced from me. I won't have access to my children again, mm. you know. So, I, I mean, th- I think that's the same whether you're married or yeah, not anymore. But, but certainly the, the monetary aspect of it and the loss of financial freedom that comes with the divorce yeah. um, is a big worry, I think. So, I mean, what is the purpose of marriage? Like, what has it been historically? And what do you think even now the purpose of marriage should be? You know, the Quran puts it really beautifully. Um, the, the Quran, if I may, <coughs> it says in chapter 4, verse 25, this is 24 for people who don't have the Bismillah as the first verse. And it says, talks about marriage and says, mm-hmm. It says that the, that the, and allow to are those beyond that, that you seek them by means of your property, um, seeking Mohsinina, uh, seeking chastity, mm. right? And the word uh, has the significance of being in a fortress. Mm. Okay, so the word chastity, Mohsinina, is related to a word, uh, it's related to other words which have connotations of being in a fortress, being secured. Mm. Not um, committing fornication, not seeking things lustfully. Mm. So the point of marriage, it, it highlights here the Quran, is the fundamental purpose is to attain security, mm. right? Emotional security, mental security, financial security, personal security, okay? Mm-hmm. All these kinds of different securities. The Quran sums up the purpose of marriage. And I think the biggest trick the modern feminist movement has played in our video with... Um, 
Anne-Marie, hmm. she's made a video on this, uh, on our Spotlight series. Um, uh, she's the most successful YouTuber on our channel. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she's made a really great video on this, which is shortly going to be coming out on... Or has coming out, uh, depending on... Or has coming out when we release this, um, <laughs> on how feminism has failed women. Yeah. Right? Well, that might not be the title, but that's the general topic. That actually... She makes a really good point in that, which is that marriage is actually, uh, perhaps she makes it explicitly or implicitly, I'm not sure, but the point here is that marriage is actually a great boon, a great blessing for women. Why? Because it holds men accountable. That's the point of marriage. The point of marriage is that if you have children out of that relationship, it, you hold men accountable to uh, being committed to that child, mm. right? That they can't run off. Mm. They can't then disavow themselves of their responsibilities to you or to the child, right? And what does the wedding day do for that? What do you mean? The the actual the act of a, of a wedding. You have public. Yeah. Have public what is witnesses. a what is a wedding? Yeah. A wedding is a public announcement that this man and this woman, if they have kid, is his with witnesses. That they're witnesses in, in their local community. In their local community, invite the people that you know so that you know who's responsible for who. Yeah. So it's basically basically it's basically and it's each just, side invites invites their own people to witness. Yeah. <laughs> no no no. My friend saw you. Yeah. You said you would commit. Yeah. Right. So that is what it is. A public declaration of commitment. Hmm. So. And the point of that is to is primarily for the benefit of the women. Hmm. The man doesn't get a a as, as much security, one could say, as a woman gets from a marriage, hmm. because a woman is left completely and utterly um, at the mercy of society. And if she if, if a man could, often if the man just says ups and goes and says I'm not going to help help support you anymore, then the woman has to seek other means of support. And traditionally, that was remarriage. But increasingly today, it's government help and parents. Hmm. Okay, so feminism is therefore disincentivizing marriage and the sexual liberation which, you know, men and women all all enjoy and take part in in today's world is making everyone basically less able to marry and less marriageable. Yeah. So marriage is declining as an institution. Yeah. Uh, despite the fact that it primarily benefits, or most obviously benefits most women, ob yeah. men also get benefits of a, of, a, of a good marriage in many other ways, including in the long term, um, yeah, uh, prosperity and and uh, the the long term. Uh, upbringing of their children. Yeah, I right. mean that's the ma major, major, major benefit for men of having a stable family. The, yeah, they have a stable family, and they have a, they have a woman in whom they've uh, chosen willingly and with intelligence, hopefully, and and they have a, a good offspring. And I was going to say the actual real beneficiaries of marriage are children. Right. And when you say the beneficiaries of marriage are children, what you're actually saying is the beneficiaries of marriage are society, it's everyone. Mm. Right. So the the worry, the decline of marriage as an institution and the loss of marriageable material people because of the premarital arrangements that we have, yeah. the dating scene, is diminishing everybody. And this is another aspect which, which always struck me, which is that we put, well, not we, but you know, in the, the modern world, basically the way, the, way, <laughs> the way relationships work are backwards. You put a sexual relationship first, and then as an add-on, you'll have maybe the emotional relationship, and then the marriage relationship, and then the marriage comes out of that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Which is crazy in many respects, but especially from the fact that if you want long -term, uh, a long-term stable relationship with someone, then the things that tend to break people apart aren't usually love, yeah, or are. a lack of love, or a lack of care, et cetera. Well, there might be, but, the, but, but very often it's fundamental long-term incompatibility. Correct, yeah. In your values, in you know 
kids or no kids or when kids or where you want to live or how you want to run the run a relationship who's going to be working how much yeah. these are the things which there are structural problems yes. which manifest over time yeah. which break down relationships now the problem is is that the way the <laughs> the way you know if you're on an app or even if you're not in an app no one wants to talk about that if you start talking about what do you want to do long term <laughs> with a with a girl or a guy they're going to freak out and yeah. leave first date so are you are you are you interested in marriage <laughs> and we think about 60% is that something you could work with three, ki <laughs> for three, working? three kids how yeah. long would you take off if you had a kid yeah um, where would you want to live yeah um, do you want to have a mortgage or do you want to rent because I don't like mortgages tie yeah. you into debt you know <laughs> these conversations are going to happen the first date is usually oh yeah no I really like football and you know Wait, if anyone starts saying that on, a, on an app or a chat they just close down and say weirdo yeah <laughs> you know okay this guy is crazy he wants to know about long term factors that affect the relationship what a weirdo right so it's so backwards because then what they do is they get into a sexual relationship and we have this weird myth in the modern day which is so obviously false which is that a sexual relationship doesn't actually produce emotional attachment and yeah. it's on the one hand just blatantly obvious yeah on the, on the other hand, it's well well uh, investigated empirically to show that especially women yeah. will uh, form more of an emotional attachment from the sexual act. Yeah. So you're having you'll have priority in the sexual act first without thinking about long-term effects. You're then having an emotional relationship which is basically inevitable hmm. from that. Um, but the emotional relationship might well break off because you haven't considered the long-term factors. Or if it doesn't even get to that point, you have an asymmetry between men and women, women ending up more more and more heartbroken. Yeah. And then they come out with and men. And men. And men, of course, yeah, of course as well. Um and then everyone's kind of jaded, heartbroken, mistrustful, <laughs> and um no one's real, you know, people And then they have kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's that's a good point, and then and then and, and this is another aspect. I mean, there's so much to talk about here, but this is maybe maybe we'll finish on this harmful aspect, which is huge, and is completely not spoken about yeah. in modern day, which is the effect of abortions, particularly on women. Really? Yeah. Which is you know I think it's something like um, seventy percent of kids born out of wedlock are. When I last did research on this, so I don't know if that's a bit out of date, because um, you know I'm, I've been around since the seventies. Um, <laughs> Seventy percent of women are of children born out of wedlock are accidental. Around that, um, and abortions do you know people do get pregnant accidentally in these casual relationships, and then the woman is faced with the um, choice and often the pressure from the man of you need to abort because the yeah. guy's gone into this with the the social milieu around him is no just have casual relationships a kid. Are you kidding me? Yeah. No, please get rid of this thing. Yeah. And the woman then has a huge drive of a maternal instinct. Often this is what happens is that they have a real strong issue fundamentally with actually getting an abortion, but they'll have a lot of pressure from the man. They'll talk to their parents. They'll talk to us to, you know, those around them. He'll say like, you're too young for this. And then often you know? they'll commit to have the children, but then, then the man washes hands and they're not in a legally relationship. Yeah, so, in a relationship he walks off so, and then they're, they're left carrying the can. Yeah. So either they kind of do something which for many women is highly traumatic, uh, going through an abortion. It's a very, cause you know, depending on what time, when, when you have it, you can often like quite, you can see an outline of, of a child essentially. Yeah. yeah. And they have to go on with that. Or if they have the kid, then suddenly they're kind of socially stigmatized and they're trying to raise a baby by themselves with a guy who's just said, see ya. Yeah. Well, not even socially stigmatized, but financially, economically at a massive disadvantage now. Yeah. 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 And because of that, and 
And again, this goes back to why you should prioritize marriage, because in an, if you prioritize having a marriage and you prioritize a relationship in a society which promotes marriage, then the ch children that come out have an automatic safety net and you as a woman have an automatic safety net. Yeah. Um, so this is, again, this is just not spoken about um, the effect of abortions on, on women, but it's hugely, hugely traumatic for many of them. And I, I, I think I think a lot of the kind of, you know, pro-abortion movements that come out is in a way, if you look at it psychologically, so, uh, socially, is, is women trying to, it's basically like a, like a huge act of denialism that, no, it doesn't matter. They're not real. They're not real human beings yet. So if you abort, it's fine so that we can continue having as much so have as many having as many sexual relationships as, well, as we, we can as continue we our ideological fantasy that men and women are the same yeah they may be equal but they're not the same and because that's good for us yeah uh, and by the time a lot of the people these people realize they say it's too late for them as well i should say they are the equal trauma. but they're not the same not they may be <laughs> um so this abortion issue is huge so so many problems we probably haven't even you know got through all of them for sure but we've introduced something new umar what the green pill. The green pill. That's so what right. is the green pill? So the green pill is, there's a kind of, there's a, especially in the red pill movements, the biggest voices in the red pill movements, they, they're, they're like becoming Muslim and stuff, apparently, <laughs> ostensibly, or, or they are, you know, can't judge other people's faith, but they're yeah, becoming they're Muslim or they're, they're embracing Islam, but they are still kind of peddling notions hmm. which are un-Islamic. Okay. Right. So one we've touched on is the idea that a man can just basically have as many partners as he wants. Yeah. But he should expect his wife to be virginal and pure. Yeah. Right. It's kind of the red pill equivalent of what they themselves criticize, yeah. which is that they often say, well, you know, why is it that women want men who will protect and provide for them and earn more than them and, um, uh, and be a kind of leader in the relationship, but mm. the women don't want to be traditional. The women don't want to cook. The women don't want to raise a family. The women don't want to, uh, have not had sex before marriage. Mm. So the, the criticism of the red pill movement, which is a fair criticism actually, which is that you, a lot of women, they want to traditional man to protect and provide and be you know more materially wealthy than them and spend on them and relieve them of their economic burdens but they themselves don't want to be traditional women yeah okay but at the same time they themselves are falling prey to the same problem yeah. which is that um, they themselves are saying we want traditional women but we still want to be able to sleep around and we yeah still want and, to and watch a bunch of pornography in, in the dark exactly you know, <laughs> so so at the end of the day they themselves are doing the same thing because it's not about being traditional what should it actually be about especially when you become a muslim hmm. it's about being islamic so the green pill is is what you could say is the islamic conception of what men and women should be okay. and 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 we haven't even touched on it <laughs> But there is a an enormous body of Islamic teachings about how men should be modest and women should be modest. And I think modesty and chastity is at the fundamental core yeah. of relationships. Because what is modesty? Modesty is a preserving factor of your innate goodness. That's what it is, of your innate value. Hmm. That's what modesty at a fundamental level is. And people are often like, what if you ask somebody on the street, what is modesty and what's its value? They'd be like, it's rubbish. They'd be like, if you've got it, flaunt it. Mm. Right? That's what people say. Then it is, if you flaunt it, you lose it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So your value is actually preserved through modesty for a, a in a relationship setting. Yeah. Okay. And not even in a relationship setting, even if you look at it from the perspective of a kind of uh, interpersonal aspect. Um, if you go through a variety of relationships and you develop trauma, right? Mm. If you become somebody who can't pair bond with somebody, you can't attach with somebody, mm. right? Then, then you've effectively damaged your future. 
um, value for that person. But also, whether you, you're a man or a woman. But even if, even in a sense, you know, looking at yourself, even on a personal level, yeah, your own sense of self-esteem is inevitably going to going to really suffer. Um, you know, whether you can look at yourself in a mirror after having done X, Y, Z for yeah. so many years, yeah, I think it's going to be affected inevitably. Yeah. yeah. So one thing I think we should, you know, maybe start with is talking about how marriage works in Islam. Um, because it's kind of the opposite because we spoke about how in the Western dating scene you have sex first and then you have emotional relationship after and then query marriage later. Yeah. In the Islamic um, way of, of having relationships is you, it, it, marriage is the only option. <laughs> you, you don't have you don't have uh, the, op the the ability um, Islamically yeah. to have a sexual relationship before marriage. Yeah. Um, so it says, well, and, and, and the good thing about it, I guess you could say it's less exciting, but it's... No, I'd say it's much more exciting. Yeah. It's way more exciting. For, 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 for West people, it probably seem like... Yeah, I mean, you know, you, I've seen this T-shirt that guys sometimes wear, which is they got a T-shirt of a stick man and a stick woman, and they're like in a wedding outfit, and at the top it says, game over. <laughs> right? So the, for the man, it's game over, because he's now committed to one to one woman, right? Yeah. Um, and and the, the book Philosophy of the Teachings of Islam makes this point so beautifully by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And uh, you, maybe you can get the, uh, yeah, wonderful. Good, good job. That was still hot on it there, weren't you? Right. So he wrote this amazing book, Philosophy of the Teachings of Islam, in which mm. he talks in like 200 pages. He just covers the whole of the philosophy of Islam beautifully. And on the section are relating to relationships and things and chastity, he talks about how if you take a dog and you feed it on a variety of food mm. and then you one day restrict it to one type of food, you know, what's, what's the effect of that going to be on the dog, right? Similarly, if you have a dog where... Yeah, switching that kind of perspective round. Um, if you have a dog where they're hungry and then you give it one meal, then it'll be grateful. Mm. And so in a way, society sets marriage up to fail by having multiple premarital relationships, especially for men, because men have freedom, they have choice, they have variety. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're told, okay, now you've got to stick with this one woman. Oh, by the way, she's, she's already 35, 36. And you know, you, and like every human being, and you might not be pause. able to reproduce with her because you both have decided to settle down later into your relation, into your age. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, oh, and that, that's the one for you as well. She's, she's your, she's your everything now. Hmm. Okay. So obviously they're going to then, it looks like game over for them, but for a man who is younger, first of all, getting into the relationship younger, but also then, looking to uh he's gone from nothing he's gone from yeah. being chased to then having a sexual relationship marriage is now suddenly exciting yeah marriage is suddenly the place where it all happens okay <laughs> so yeah. it, it it inverts islamically yeah. it inverts and societally inverts actually the expectations of marriage so i would say marriage is more exciting in a marriage in islam and yeah. from an islamic viewpoint you know being chased than it is in society. And if long-term happiness is exciting to you, then it is going to be exciting. Mm. Um, and it does this through, you know, we spoke about how long-term factors often destroy relationships. Well, if both parties are going into the discussion from day one about, and, it, and it's about looking for a marriage, then they're going to be open and talk about long-term factors. And what that means is that you can essentially make a judgment, a reasonable judgment on whether something will work or not, uh, based on those long-term factors before you're emotionally attached to them. And yeah. certainly well before you're having any kind of sexual relationship with, with, with them. Correct. So it means you can actually introduce rationality into, <laughs> into your relationship rather than everything being kind of driven by your libido and by instinct. Yeah. And yeah. 
unsurprisingly, naturally, that's going to lead to more successful long-term relationships. Yeah, because using your brain. I mean, yeah. you know, there's this idea that you go buy a toaster, people look at reviews, they check all of the different aspects of yeah, the I toaster. Yeah, I bought a bag recently. I did, I did, I did hours of research. <laughs> you know, you figure out what people like, how many pockets it's got, does this toaster, does it smoke easily and set the fire alarm pockets. off? You do loads of... I went from the bag to the toaster. Right. So the point is, the is that even buying with something simple like that, which might be only 20 quid in the end, hmm. people take like some proper time about it. When they want to go find a life partner, they get drunk, right? Hmm. So they smash out their faculties. They go into a dark room, yeah. right? Where there's loads of loud music, so they can't even interact with them in a kind of speaking fashion. Then they'll sleep with that person, yeah. okay? Oh, and then the next morning, and then they'll see if there's a valued relationship that can emerge from that. Yeah. Well, so they won't be looking for a long-term partner. It's literally but... like groping in the dark. Well, no, a lot of people do. A lot of people, yeah. especially university, they're hoping to match with people. Consciously, they won't be, but subconsciously, they're actually looking for a companion. Yeah, exactly. And this is the only route that they see as open to. Them. Yeah, and they're doing it through basically what groping in the dark, basically not hopefully on purpose, but you know what I mean. As an analogy, as a metaphor, they're groping yeah. in the dark, right? Yeah, they're hope not 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 literally groping in the dark. One would hope. Yeah, I think people understand you're not sanctioning. This either, right? <laughs> <laughs> so the point I'm making is is that they, with great difficulty, which is that <laughs> they are they're prioritizing. Um, all of the wrong factors, as you are, you're making this point very eloquently, um, which is they're prioritizing the wrong factors, aren't they? Mm. You know, for long-term happiness and long-term pair bonding. Yeah. And the Islamic system is basically, and it sounds so backwards to, to most Western people, which is that you have the emotional relationship primarily happening after marriage. Yeah. Because you decide to get married, you decide to see, okay, I do, do we think that this is, is there a baseline attraction? Do you, do you kind of like the personality? Do you think the long-term factors are going to work? Prayer as well as a major part of it, which may, we can talk about later. But once you've made the commitment, then the emotional relationship grows out of that. And that's natural because the reality is you get two young people who haven't had sexual relationships before. And who baseline like each other. That's why and they who baseline like each other. Right, right, exactly. You're going to get love flourishing. Yeah. Okay, when they have a sexual relationship, right? If you have two people who are in their early 20s or mid 20s or even early 30s who have, have not had sexual relationships with other people, hmm. right? And you put them together, they will have, they will, love will emerge. It's a yeah. fact, right? Yeah. So, and I, but, but in society, they've got it backwards. They're like, oh, I, don't, I won't be able to fall in love with the person. No, you will. Yeah. Right. The reason we're able to fall in love with the person is because you've slept with five other people in the last 10 years. Yeah. Okay. You've had traumatic breakups with all of them. That's why you can't pair bond with this individual. Well, and actually, they, realistically, they will as well. I mean, it's realistically, just, they, they still do. Exactly. Yeah. So, so the kind of basis of if, you're, if your value structure is, I want long term relationship and long term stable happiness with a partner, then it is very clear to me that the Islamic system is much more geared up to provide that and will provide that than the Western dating system because yeah. all the incentives, all the values in the Western dating system um, make long-term uh, stability and long-term happiness an exception rather than the rule. Yeah. Whereas in the Islamic system, if people are acting correctly, it should, and it does in many, many cases, produce long-term stability and long-term happiness. Yeah, my observation from a kind of anecdotal side is that um, marriages that are matched often according to the Islamic means they do one of two things. Either they fall apart in a month, <laughs> right? No, seriously, either they fall apart in one to two months. Yeah. Because um, the people get into a relationship, they realize, oh, we made a mistake about our baseline rationality decisions. We are actually fundamentally incompatible. Right. And they don't have yet, they have not yet complete, they have not yet attached to that person 
to make it worth to it. make it to make it do you see what i mean so they're yeah. still unattached at that view, still I mean. point yeah. yeah so they realize oh this person is not for me and then the relationship ends after one to two months right so in islamic relationships or matches through that method i found that through my anecdotal observation they either break apart immediately or they last a lifetime hmm. But what doesn't happen in either case is that the person forms an attachment and then it breaks apart. Yeah. Right. But in the in the in the in the relationship aspect from the dating scene, you get the exact opposite. You get relationships which are built up but without commitment over years. Yeah. In which emotional commitment happens and then breaks down. Yeah, and often women are left with multiple kids as well from it. Yeah, exactly. So let's then talk about uh, And we haven't even talked about the effect that that has, especially the lack of fathers. Yeah, for boys, yeah, it's yeah. enormous thing. I mean, I, I, and this is something we can go into one on that play- girls, I'm sure, as on well. that playlist. Well, the girls have their mother. Yeah, but e- even then, the girls have their no. Yeah, true. Of course, it does have a massive effect for the, for the man not being there. But the girls do have their mother. And people criticize like, "How dare you? You're taking the boy away from his mother." So actually, the boy actually at that age he needs his father as a he role needs to model. learn how to be a man. He needs to learn how to be a man. Hmm. Right, he's not gonna learn that from his mom. Hmm. Right, but people don't appreciate because people don't appreciate the value of fathers hmm. anymore because they think oh a lot, a lot of feminist narratives. What do you need a man for? Right? Yeah. Get your, get your state security. Right. <laughs> get your social housing. <laughs> get your job. Get your part time job and your mum to jump in and, and babysit for you every other day. Hmm. You don't need a man. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't realize the value for the children is irreplaceable. So what's the fundamental teaching of Islam which helps create a society in which men and women are chaste? A baseline to enable them to build a society where they do commit in marriage. Okay, so there's this uh, this is first in chapter 24 of the Holy Quran, or a set of verses. It says, "Say to the believing men that they restrain their eyes and guide their private parts. That is purer for them. Surely Allah is well aware of what they do. And say to the believing women that they restrain their their eyes and guide their private parts, and that they do, they disclose not their natural and artificial beauty except that which is apparent thereof, and that they draw their head coverings over their bosoms." Okay, and, and and the passage continues, but this is uh, that they display not their beauty to, and then it lists categories of men basically yeah. who women should not be displaying their beauty to uh, beyond these categories, and that's the basis of the concept that you know you meet a Muslim woman should be wearing a hijab in front of you. Yeah, many will be. Many will be. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is uh, what is this? What is this? What do you infer from this of the of the way the verse is structured or the passage is structured? So it's very interesting because it puts this, the direction is firstly towards men. Yeah. And then it tells women. And the Prophet Muhammad himself said that if you wish your wives to be chaste, then you must be chaste. Okay. And that's actually very contrary to what the, what the Red Pill movement <laughs> yeah. says. The Red Pill movement says that if women want men to be loyal to them, then they have to not be promiscuous. Yeah. Right. Because they are driving, they say, by women being promiscuous in society, um, they are promoting men seeking... We just can't help ourselves. We can't help ourselves. (laughs) But they don't realize that women are behaving promiscuously because they are responding to what they think men want of them. Mm. Right. Women follow men. Mm. With respect to societal trends and with respect to in the relationship as well, as a generality, I should say. Okay. And so the reason, you know, you're getting the growth of women who are undressing more and more on their Instagram, right, to attract men or to display themselves of their beauty, right? It's because men are themselves selecting for women Mm. who are of that, right? Yeah. Well, I like that. So it addresses men first and tells men first, the first commandment is to go lower their eyes. 
Okay. To not gawk at women, mm. right? To not look at women outside the prescribed, the permitted bounds, the mm. permitted categories of, of females, okay? Um, and then the second thing is to guard their private parts. Now, it's a very difficult, um, in, it's, in Arabic, it's a very difficult word verse to kind of convey the meaning in another language, mm. but it basically means to stand watch, okay. right? It means to, to stand watch over your sexual faculties, Mm. Okay, so it doesn't mean guard your private parts, like you know, cover up your, your trousers, trousers, you know, yeah. etc. You know, it, it means to stand watch over something, mm -hmm. and the implication there is is that if you don't stand watch over it, it'll run away. Okay, that right. So your natural predisposition as a man is to be uh, promiscuous, is is to be sexually active. Mm. Okay, so to, you need to actively stand watch over it. Okay, it's not a passive process; it's an active. It's basically self-control. It's basically talking about self-control. Yeah, but but the, it's an interesting thing. It doesn't tell you to just control yourself. Mm. It tells you first to guide your eyes, to lower your eyes. Yeah, because it actually the Quran is you know written by God. It, God understands male psychology. Mm. If you tell men to look wherever they want, but then to control themselves, well, you're closing the door after the stable horse has bolted. Mm. Right after you're closing the stable door after the horse has bolted. Yeah. Okay, because men are already aroused at that point. Yeah. Okay, and then they won't be able to control themselves. And this is one of the beautiful differences with um, Christianity, you know, that the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, he highlighted, which is that, and again, in his book, Philosophy of the Teachings of Islam, he said that he compares it to Christianity or he compares it to other religions. He does it kind of nondescript. But in other passages, he explicitly singles out Christianity, which the Bible says that do not look at women with lust. And the Quran is like, don't look at women. Hmm. There's no such thing as not looking at women with lust. If you look at women who are not your uh, your wives or your sexual partners, right? Yeah. Then you are going to enter into a state of lust if you're looking at them in that particular way. Does that mean you can't you can't see women in the workplace? We have to. No, you know, but it means mean? you should be aware of the fact that your eyes are the route to your arousal. Hmm. Okay, and therefore you should stand guard over your eyes and stand guard over your sexual faculties. Doesn't mean when you're talking to somebody you should be you know like some form of a hermit. Okay, yeah. talk to them normally. Right. Yeah. But you shouldn't gawk at women. Yeah. Right? And in particular, in the modern day context, I think it also means don't look at women in secret and pornography and things like this. Yeah. Okay. okay. So um, then, after addressing men, yeah. he then addresses women and tells them to lower their gaze as well, stand guard over their private parts. But it then has an additional commandment for them, which is dressing modestly. Hmm. Right. Modest. Yeah. Yeah. And in a sense, you can conceive of this that Islam. What is this teaching for? It's it's there to help men, right? It's there to it's actually there to as a means for women to help men in society. To help men, yes, but for the benefit of women. Correct, correct. Um, because at the end, of the day, if all men were angels, you know, it wouldn't fundamentally be necessary. Hmm. But the reality is, is that well, if all men were angels, it would still actually be necessary because exposing yourself actually creates a sense of shamelessness in one's own self. Yeah. Right, as well. So there is a spiritual aspect for the women themselves that it mm. does benefit them. Um, but I think that the primary the prim primary additional... <laughs> yeah, the primary social benefit is that it, it creates a society in which uh, there is pressure upon the man that this woman is, is showing... This woman... Uh, is regarding herself with dignity. This woman is taking her own dignity and her own modesty seriously. So do not violate it. Hmm. For a man, it's much harder to gawk at a woman um, who is modestly dressed. Much hmm. harder because you feel a greater sense of shame. 
If a woman is herself not uh, treating herself with dignity, it becomes much easier for you not to treat her with dignity, hmm. to gawk at her, etc. So this is a natural psychological mechanism whereby it's actually an admonishment for men. Yeah. Right to with to to uh, adhere to their own teaching, which is to not. Uh, now, now the criticism would then be that you know why should women have to do this for for men? You know why should women have to change the way that they look because men can't control themselves? What would you say to that? I think it's you know the reality is is that we have to live in society, mm. and we you can't get away from the facts of life. Yeah, and the reality that men and women are going to interact, and they need to live lives in in harmony. Yeah, and you can either prioritize ego, or you can prioritize peace, and yeah. trying to create a peaceful or freedom. Freedom, yeah, freedom or peace, yeah, freedom or peace, yeah. You can either prioritize your idea that oh, I have complete freedom to dress how I want, or you can enter into the real world and realize that there's lots of ways in which you limit your freedoms so that you can attain peace. Yeah, right. We wear seat belts. Why is that? We limit our freedom. So that we can attain peace of mind that if there's an accident, I'm more secure. Well, peace and progress. Unless you get to where you're, you know. Exactly. Get to where you want to get to in life. I mean, and there's loads of ways in which we we, we limit ourselves to to attain goals hmm. and to attain, uh, you know, even the process of revising and taking an exam. It, you know, you have to take a good three months out of your life, study hmm. for an exam and then sit it. You know, that's a limitation on your freedom so that you can attain something and progress in a particular way. So if you want society to progress, for women to just turn around and say, well, I don't want to wear, I don't want to be more modestly dressed because I don't want to help create a society in which men uh, uh, it becomes the norm for men to be self-controlled and mm. it becomes the norm for people to be actually you know valuable for a marriage so that we have a next generation who's actually healthy and so we don't destroy society how dare i i want to be able to dress <laughs> how i want it's an immature way of living yeah and i think that's the key point which actually this is to the benefit of women yeah that's absolutely right it's it is to the benefit of women i think both individually but especially socially because it helps to create a culture where um you have a culture of chastity and a culture of modesty and therefore both sides of the partners including the men and maybe especially the men have uh, developed the um the habit of loyalty. They develop loyal values in themselves. So if you have a society which promiscuity and sexuality is kind of abound, which is our society, then yeah, no surprise, men aren't that loyal. Yeah. If you have a society which stops that, which doesn't hyper-stimulate men yep. and then tell them to control themselves, yep. and which doesn't give you loads of sexually available women and then say, no, no, you need to settle down with this one. Yeah then that's only going to be to the benefit of the woman who wants to be in a stable long-term relationship and have a decent father to their children. Yeah. So it is to the benefit of women. Yeah, and it's also to the benefit of men. Yeah. Because then they also have more modest, you know, um, more chaste and more loyal and more fidelitous, if that's a word. Um, that's right, we made it Partners, that's right. Partners in the long term. So the Islamic system actually produces long-term stability. It's a word. Over, 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 um, short-term excitement. And I think that actually sums up the Islamic philosophy in general to, yeah, all, to basically everything. Well, it's called, it's called being uh, an adult. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's like, it's called a forward planning. Yeah. It's called thinking. <laughs> it's called using your brain. Yeah. Right. Not operating in the world on the basis of your immediate impulses. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is about. Yeah. So, I mean, we've only touched on, on the surface of, Not of even these. the surface. I think we've just been... We're approaching the surface. We're approaching I mean, the surface. There's, there's aspects to this about how this kind of world reduces sexual violence. Yeah. If properly implemented, I mean. Yeah. Reduces sexual violence, how this helps children to grow up in a stable environment and what that how that affects their psychology. Yeah. Um, we haven't talked about... There is... A, there, and people will say, oh, what about the Muslim countries in which, you know, women... Yeah, let's, about, let's just get to that now. You yeah. know, I, I think that's, this, that's always such a stupid way of putting it because reality 
reality is you look at the, the wealthy Muslim countries mm. and actually they do have a much better way of life. They do have a much more stable way of life, mm. right? They do have a much more, it's a much safer environment to raise children in. Yes, they've got their flaws, right? Yeah. The UAE, Qatar, et cetera. They've got, their, they've got their flaws for sure. But a lot of Western people, especially after the World Cup, yeah. coming back from there are like, those societies are actually much healthier than mm. our society over here, okay? Um, so when people used to point to Muslim countries, they used to point to countries like Pakistan and Indonesia or, well, Indonesia is not a bad country, but a lot of other countries, okay, mm. where there's, or North African countries. It's like, yeah, well, you know, they've been at war and there's mass poverty and mm. there's loads of other factors that might go into the fact that there's problems in those countries. Yeah. So they don't want to look at a country which is of an equivalent wealth. Yeah but Islamic, they want to look at a country which has a thousand other problems, oh, and is Islamic, and therefore they pin the na the negatives for society, for women in particular, on Islam, rather than pinning on the poverty, on the, you know, on the societal issues that otherwise exist there. Uh, and to what extent do you think the, the m Muslim majority contemporary nations, even those that are wealthy, to what extent do you think they, they really imbibe true Islamic values? P partly. At best, I think, you know, from a social perspective, I think definitely more than they do in other respects. Right. Because they do have families, they do have a culture of committed relationships, they do have a culture of marriage before sex. Yeah. So those things they have maintained uh, broadly. So, so, yeah, broad, broad, more so than the West. More so than the West. And yeah. so they, you know, that's where you compare. Yeah. You want to compare societal structure and upbringing of children, compare yourself to modern Muslim wealthy nations. Yeah. If you're going to compare yourself to anyone, okay? yeah. don't compare yourselves to countries which have, you know, an exchange rate of one pound to 380 rupees. That's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's just not fair. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess our perspective then would be that even if the system in the current day has not fully been implemented anywhere, that doesn't mean... It's not. It's not a better system. This also doesn't mean that it wasn't implemented for seven, eight hundred years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and therefore, our our pitch and our perspective is that well, be the change you want to see in the world. <laughs> is yeah. that this is a, this is a much better system and it's much more stable for humanity. Whether, and I th whether you're Muslim or not. Yeah. Well, the problem is, is that outside of us. Well, I think outside unless you yeah. uh, uh, unless actually you have. Uh, a sense of accountability, moral moral accountability to God and spiritual incentives, then you won't really control yourself because yeah. this because the idea of oh well, I want to make a better society just isn't enough yeah. for an individual. Correct. You actually have to have an incentive and an accountability structure that goes alongside it. So I don't think this can be artificially created outside of the religious uh, confines. No, I don't think so. Um, so it's a difficult bind that the that the average Western person is 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 in. So what would you recommend to them? To become Muslim. I agree. <laughs> and what about the Muslims that are struggling? Uh, be a proper Muslim. <laughs> yeah. And also, uh, and also, I think... Uh, no, there's, I mean, there's lots of problems from a kind of, even within the Muslim communities, I think, and we're going to touch on them in, in, in future videos, hopefully. Um, and, and my worry is that Muslim communities are also following the way of uh, dating apps effectively mm. where they offer men a kind of unlimited offer men and women oh you know here's a book of faces who do you like mm. you know who would you like to meet right that's the wrong way of doing this mm. right that's the wrong way of of matching people right the way the way islamically you match people is you get to know them right you find out what they want and you do that with a, a matchmaker will do that with lots of people mm. now you could digitally do that 
okay but it shouldn't be a it shouldn't be a you know here's 100 women choose which one looks best to you or here's 100 mm. men who's got the highest income that's not how it works because then you're just replicating the western system with a kind of islamic facade mm. so there needs to be an actual matchmaking process yeah where that kind of what you talked about which is the long-term outcomes are selected for at the outset. Yeah. And finally, I think it's worth saying that a core part of the Islamic system is reliance on prayer. Yeah. In particular, the istikhara prayer is often used, um, which is about guiding one down the right, the right path. And often Muslims will find that they actually receive direct communications from God about partners as well. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, either, either it's really it, good to have the creator of the entire universe, basically guiding you on your personal decisions. Yeah. So that's also, um, helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much for that. And uh, we will see you guys in the next video. Please do make sure that you like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, most of our viewers are not subscribed, which is a little bit harsh. We'd appreciate that. Um, so please do and let us know what you think about this issue. There's going to be a variety of perspectives, and we may well cover them in a future live stream and respond to a lot of those comments. Thank you.